Now it's time for a breakdown. You're listening to Gap to Gap, brought to you by The Breakdown. Three, two. Pebbles drill deep to left field. Going back, choice. Looking up. See ya. 3,000. History with an exclamation point. Back to full. Red Sox fans have longed to hear it. The Boston Red Sox are world champions. Swing and a drive to deep right, away back, goal! Jason Giambi has done it! Episode number 87, he's 7, I'm 80. <laughs> What's up, buddy? <laughs> I, uh, a lot, lot to talk about. We've had, what, two, almost two full weeks of baseball now, and I feel like Rob Manfred just Every week he's in the news for the wrong reasons. Yeah, this is this is this this is. Um, yeah, let's just jump right into it. I, 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 it's been it's been a long enough day. Let's just go right into it. What has been your big? We're we're twelve or thir- eleven games in, depending on your team, or if you're if you're um the who did I just see is four and three. I think the Mets, right? If you're the Mets, yeah, that's what it was. If you're the Mets, uh, it's been seven games. But for most teams, it's been 11 or 12. What's been your biggest surprise so far? I think the biggest surprise so far has been the fact that the Red Sox are 9-3. and three. They got swept by the Orioles, and yeah. then they haven't lost since. Yeah, I... Listen, this team is their offense is for real. I don't think any of us ever doubted the offense was there. Um, the pitching, in my estimation, is going to come back down to earth at some point. Uh, it, it this it's just unsustainable. Like when teams that are good teams that have gotten off to slow starts with good pitching, you expect them to be better and it will even out. The Red Sox are in the same in the same position with a different, or I guess the same boat in a different position. The pitching is not sustainable with this starting five. The bullpen has actually looked a lot better than I gave them credit for. So I'll give them that. So maybe the bullpen's been figured out a little bit. But the the pitching rotation as a whole, there's no way that this is going to be able to carry them through the season. So yeah, kudos no to what you have right now, Boston. It's it's not happening past like May if I'm, you know, being conservative here. All right. So they play the Twins tomorrow on drop day of the fifteenth. Mm-hmm. They've currently won nine in a row. How long, in your opinion, does this last as the longest win streak in baseball as my phone plummets off the floor? I'd say this this will end by the weekend. I, I don't, again, I don't. No, see no, no. This. I'm saying, I'm saying. So let's say that, let's say they they, they lose they they do lose to, uh, on drop day and, mm-hmm. and it stands at nine in a row. What is the? Uh, how long does the um does this stand as nine in a row being the longest win streak we see this season? Um, that's a great question because the Dodgers aren't even fully healthy yet, and they've won nine games, if I'm correct. And I, I don't think this stands that long. I give it to the end of April. So I, yeah. They, you think a team will win ten in a row by the end of April? Beginning of May, say beginning of May. Okay, okay. I'll I'll, I'll give it to you. I I don't know. I think I think it's gonna last till. 
I'm going to go longer than that. I think we're going to see a lot of teams just beat the shit out of each other this year. So I, I'm going to say it lasts till late June. That's fair. Well, let me, let's look up this real quick because the Dodgers are the one that I would bet would break this uh, streak. They're currently so, at four in a row right now, by the way. So I don't think it takes too much. They're playing the fucking Rockies right now. Um, so yeah, I, I like the Dodgers to break. Actually, yeah, I'll, I'll stick with my original. End of April. I, I like the Dodgers to to rattle off six more in a row. Fair enough. Fair enough. That I, So, okay, so the Red Sox, I mean, they're plus 24 in run differential. They're playing really good baseball, actually. They are. They are. But, um, but to your point, I, I agree it's not sustainable throughout a season, though. No, and it's not that they're going to win the rest of the games in the season. That's not what I mean at all. I think we're on the same page. I think when you look at the division, um, the Blue Jays – have gotten off to a slow start. It's weird with the Blue Jays, their calling card has been their hitting and they haven't really hit. Granted, they've just taken two in a row from the Yankees, but it's not like these were offensive masterpieces. For whatever reason, mm-hmm. the pitching has been better than the hitting. Um, aside from that one outlier against the Angels, the Blue Jays have been relatively quiet. Uh, the Yankees, another one in that division, you expect more from them. Again, they're not fully healthy. I don't want to blame it on injuries, but once their lineup can start to figure it out, because you're not getting contributions from key bats that you count on, uh, like Stanton, uh, Torres, Urshela picked it up a little bit against Tampa. But like for the most part, it's really been just DJ LeMahieu, and even he's looked pretty, pretty poor so far. So you have to assume that's going to even out. The Orioles, we don't expect much from, obviously. But the Blue Jays and the, and the Yankees are two teams that everyone expected to be a lot better than what they've shown so far. And I would probably bet that the Yankees and the Blue Jays are going to finish ahead of Boston this year. The Rays still seem to be the powerhouse of that division. I don't know why everyone keeps writing them off. We said this before the season started. I hate betting against this team for reasons we're seeing right now. Uh, granted, I think the reason you see a lot of people... I think the the reason you see a lot of people writing off the Rays here early in the year is because even when they're winning, like they sit at five and six at the time of recording, but they are they're already among the worst run differentials in baseball at minus eighteen. No, it's true. It's the the whole thing with it, like they've had some really shitty outings from Ryan Yarbrough, who in my estimation should not be in the starting rotation. But the Rays always find a way. It, like they don't need to have a plus run differential to be a good team, if that even makes sense. Like, and I know that sounds crazy, but their whole thing is defense and pitching. Mm-hmm. So as long as they can lock down on that aspect of the game, then the hitting will be there when they need it. So I think that's why the Rays are the scariest team because they can win those one, two, three, nothing ball games and be fine. But they'll still like they're going to run into some issues, obviously, but for the most part, you can't really count them out. And that's why I say they're still the powerhouse because when it's all said and done, the Yankees, their whole identity is around the, their hitting. The Blue Jays, same thing. The Red Sox, same thing. Uh, I, I would take the team that has superior defense and pitching at, at the end of the day, and I think that's still the race. That's fair. That is 100% fair. Let's go to the National League. Obviously, the Dodgers tearing it up at 9-2, and two, like we said, winners of four straight and the best run differential in baseball. Besides the Dodgers, give me a team that surprised you to start the year. I'll give you two. I think the Brewers and the yep. Reds have both surprised me 
a little bit. I know um, the Reds came out to a hot start. They've tailed off a little bit. But the thing with the Reds that's been the most surprising is their offense. Um, again, we didn't expect much from this team. And I know, you know, way too early predictions. The Reds and the Brewers seem evenly matched. And it's funny because the Reds and the Brewers have totally different identities. The Brewers are like the mm-hmm. rays of this division. They are shaped by their pitch. I never thought I'd say the Brewers were shaped by their pitching because for the last how many years they've been just offense, offense, offense. But this offseason, it's been a totally different direction. Woodruff, Burns, uh, Freddie Peralta has looked like the ace of that staff, which is funny because they were talking about him being a swingman this year. That team has surprised me. The Reds getting offense from pretty much everyone in that lineup. I don't know. I, I think this division and this division is so interesting because you have at least three teams with the Reds, the Brewers and the Cardinals who could conceivably run away with it at any given moment. And I'll even have the Cubs in there to be you know mediocre to above average if they get clicking. But you have those three teams that I mentioned. Any one of them can win this division. This isn't like a lock for the Cardinals by any means that everyone kind of projected to be after they traded for Arenado. So the Reds and the Brewers have both surprised me. Pleasant surprises. I like the Brewers to actually win this division moving forward. I have made it known that the Brewers are one of my favorite NL teams. I just, like you said, it's just a different vibe about them this year. And granted, 12 games in, but... I, th- I really do mean that when I say that. It just seems a little bit different. I think this is the year that they figure it out and are able to uh, win this division. Yeah, there's not much that would deter me. I mean, Yelich still hasn't really got going. And mm-hmm. that's the scariest part because when you have a former MVP on your team that is still you know finding his swing, but you can mask it with pitching and defense. Like, we talk about the rotation with Peralta, Burns, and Woodruff. That's great. Their bullpen is amazing. Like, I think it, it goes under the radar because everyone just thinks of Josh Hader. There's other pieces in this bullpen that you can deploy in almost any situation and still get the same result. So I think that is a huge plus for them, especially in the National League, when you have a dominant bullpen like this. Yeah, absolutely. All right, anything else on the, on the first couple weeks of baseball uh, before we move on? Well, the Mets are still the Mets. I mean, we can't. The Mets are still the Mets. We can't argue that the Mets are just going to always be the Mets. Francisco Lindor has looked horrendous as a Met. I'm sure that's music here. I know. What a shame. Frank. 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 Come on. I thought you were all smiles. Um, (laughs) He looks like shit. And Marcus Stroman can't shut up. Darn. Uh, Yeah. I mean, things you wouldn't expect. Color me shocked. I know, you, you you wouldn't expect these things, but they're happening. Um, no, the, the Mets look like the Mets. Uh, the Braves look to be not the Braves. This division, everyone projected this to be a dogfight. So far, it has been for the wrong reasons. No one's pulling ahead. The Phillies came out hot. They look pretty vulnerable right now. Their pitching is still going to hold them back in the bullpen. I don't care how many names they added. They're losing games for them when they should be winning them. Um, the Nationals... Again, COVID struck. If anything, COVID has exposed the Nationals of having almost no depth. And mm-hmm. that's a that's a big issue. So I think, honestly, at this point in juncture, the first two weeks, everyone is almost on a loving, level playing field. The Marlins actually don't look too bad, and they probably should have another win if it wasn't for Michael Conforto's fucking elbow. 
Oh so, my goodness. This whole division should be separated by a game and a half at the most. And then conversely, you mentioned, you know, the the uh, the AL NL East, I'm sorry, as, as a division we thought would be dog shit. And, or I'm sorry, thought thought would be good and it looks like dog shit. The NL Central I mean, even the Pirates. I mean, granted they're not looking overly good, but they do not look like a 59-win team right now. No, it's funny because they're missing Cabrian Hayes, too. Like, this is supposed to be... I was going to say, Cabrian Hayes comes out on opening day, hits a bomb. I, I he's This is going to be... I think this is actually going to be a decent-looking division throughout the summer. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised if we get to the point of, like, mid-May. Like, I think the Pirates, obviously, I think both of us are in They're going to fall off eventually. They will fall off. This, again, it's not it's not sustainable. Because unlike the Red Sox, the Pirates really have nothing that they can bank on. They don't have offense. Their pitching is what it is. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, for, for what it's worth, they're going to win a couple games here and there that you wouldn't expect. Like, almost every team does. But, yeah, I, I, I still feel comfortable thinking that they're probably going to end around between 55 and 65 wins, um, with that being the high water mark. But, yeah, the, the NL Central has probably been the most competitive, in my, you know, in my estimation. And when I say that, I mean with the most teams that are still, I mean, I don't want to say in it. We're only 12 games in, but the most teams that look competitive against one another. Yeah, absolutely. And I, I think you can use the word in it because you look at the NL West, for example, and you have the Dodgers, Padres, and Giants sitting at the top within a game of each other, a game and a half of each other. But Arizona already five back in the win column and Colorado already six back in the win column. That's true. That's true, but then again, that's what we kind of pegged it to, right? I, that division, it's the Padres and Dodgers that are just going to be duking it out. If you can sneak a game against them, if you're like the Giants. The Giants are another team that's been somewhat of a surprise, but I don't put too, too much stock into it just because I don't think they've played the Dodgers or the Padres yet. So we'll see Likewise. what type of and, team they really the are. Exactly. I, was saying, I don't put too, too much stock into the Giants either, but again, just the fact that there they're, they're, were you know, a dozen games in and we can start to make some inferences. Is that the right word? Yeah, you can make a yeah, you can start to take what's been shown in front of you and make an inferential judgment on it, I guess. Look at us using the words. Look using at us. the words and doing the thing. This episode is sponsored by Miriam Webster. <laughs> Put in promo code breakdown for a free word of the day. I don't fucking know. Alright, uh, MLB, uh, again, partnering with the Atlantic League to ruin baseball. Yeah, well, no, Rob Manfred is partnering with the Atlantic League to ruin baseball. Let's be clear here. This is Rob Manfred. This has his dirty fingerprints all over it. Yeah. So, again, remember last year, uh, the Atlantic League, uh, who brought you hits such as robot umpires, <laughs> uh, dropped third strikes to, I'm sorry, what, what wild pitches in the first inning, or what, what, fucking running on a wild pitch as a hitter, uh, you know, just the, the hits that we all loved, um, now brings you such hits as double hook DH and 61 foot mounds. Yeah. Um, I mean, which, which of these do you want to dive in first on? Let's dive first in on the mound because apparently size really does matter. Um, because 12 inches. Doesn't seem like a lot, but I mean, I, <laughs> well, I'm not comparing myself to Johnny Sins here. Let's be honest. We're talking about a mound. Um, 
The dick jokes are back. <laughs> We're back. Uh, but <laughs> it is startling to see that there's a there is a noticeable difference between moving the mound back a foot to 61.6 versus the 60.6 where it's been forever. Um, the velocity does dip about two miles an hour. So when we talk about guys, you know, again, everyone in the in the major leagues now seems to be a power pitcher, and, and we can't get away from the hundred mile an hour fastballs. I personally, I love it. I think it adds a new dimension to the game that we just haven't seen. So I'm in mm-hmm. favor of keeping it that way because I think it adds a nice little wrinkle, especially when you have like these specialist pitchers that come in that throw junk. Um, but I digress. It does add a difference. So for the pitchers that rely on breaking balls, um, so like the Trevor Bowers of the world. You're going to have to completely retrain how to throw your breaking balls. Not only that, you're going to have to completely retrain where to locate your fastballs too. If there's a two mile an hour difference, that's noticeable enough because not, I mean, 90 or let's say. Let me, let me, let me cut you off really quick. I want to throw out. We're not just throwing numbers at the wall. This is coming from the Sportsnet article, which is citing the, the Associated Press. And uh, these following quotes are from Jed Hoyer, the Chicago Cubs, Cubs baseball president of operations. And he compares these changes to the lowering of the pitcher's mound from 15 inches to 10 in the 1969 season. Mm-hmm. We've got to do something to get more offense in the game, whether you want to talk about the mound being moved back a foot or whether you want to talk about the different ways of getting rid of the shift, whether you want to talk about the substances on the ball, we need to make adjustments, Hoyer said. The DH originally came out of these adjustments. The mound being lowered came from these adjustments. And I personally uh, am of the mind of, obviously, I love baseball, but I don't believe the, the rules are written on stone tablets, unquote. Now, he says, again, according to the AP, that a a foot back, moving the mound a foot back, uh, this is a quote from Morgan Sword, MLB's executive vice president of baseball operations. It's a direct response to the escalating strikeout rate, whether, where you're giving the hitter approximately one one-hundredth of a second of additional time to decide whether to swing at a pitch, which has the effect just in terms of reaction time of reducing the effective velocity of a pitch by roughly 1.5 miles an hour. The purpose of the test and hope is giving hitters is giving giving hitters even that tiny additional piece of time will allow them to make more contact and reduce the strikeout rate. Again, Morgan Sword, MLB executive vice president of baseball ops. So, mathematic you're not reducing Emmanuel Clase isn't going to go from throwing 100 to 99. But the hitter is going to have an extra second and a half, or not second and a half, another, the equivalent reaction time of a 99 when a guy's throwing 100. Exactly. That's that's the point I was trying to make. It's, it doesn't necessarily slow the ball down from the pitcher's standpoint. It just it's it decreases the reaction time, or I guess increases. Mm-hmm. What Decrease, increase? It improves the reaction time of the hitter, and, and that's the whole aspect that, of this. But you, you mentioned it in that quote. We're trying to drive more offense because hitters don't have a chance to what? Is that hit. fair? No, because you know what the biggest problem is? It's the way these fucking guys are coached. Like, I if you could throw in a game from ten years ago, yeah, the shift might have been there, but guys weren't looking to just hit fucking home runs. Like there was mm-hmm. situational hitting that was still involved. Like it's it's amazing to me how far baseball has gotten away from fundamentals to the point where now we celebrate guys. Like I can only imagine 
like bringing some like if Pete Rose played in the game today, he'd be a laughing stock because he'd just be a slap hitter and he'd have the occasional yeah. double here and there. But if he doesn't hit home runs, what use is like he's he's useless, and, and that's the problem. You you have three and, outcomes, and that's, the, that, and that's the strangest thing right now is we still are in a place where we we kind of revere a guy like Ichiro, but. Ichiro, if he would have come in the game in 2020 instead of in 2001, you got to question if he would have survived. That's the thing. Like, is is he looked at as a fourth outfielder at that point because he can't hit for power? And I I would argue that there's more teams, or I should say there's teams that should probably value more versatility when it comes to hitting, not just how many positions these guys can play because you have guys like, you know, Derek Dietrich who can play multiple positions, but Mm -hmm. they're not necessarily going to hit for a high average. They're either going to hit a home run, strike out or walk. And for me, that's not good because they've also taken the stolen base and base running out of the game completely. So now you're essentially just looking at a stat of just the home run. The OPS stat I think is overblown way out of proportion on base plus slugging. Listen, slugging means something. On base means something, but it doesn't mean anything if you don't do anything with those chances once you get on base to begin with. So we've taken all these elements out of the game that we're taught in Little League. You know, be aggressive on the base paths. Look for your pitch. If there's a man on second with two outs, you know, don't or one out. Don't be afraid to choke up and just hit one, hit one of the second baseman and move him over. Exactly. Like, if there's a way that you can, you know, playing pepper, like th- simple things like that, like, can I hit oh, to the to left a guy field? That coaches, you're talking to a guy that coaches. The kids hate Pepper nowadays. They, I know. They literally say Pepper's the dumbest fucking game, coach. Why would we do that? Because Fox, when you need it. teach you how to get barrels. Exactly. It fuck, You need it. Because I can't tell you how many times just in the last three days. The Yankees are taking years off my life, by the way. I can't watch this fucking team every night. And part of the reason is every time I see Mike Stanton, again, he has not earned his name that he wants i'll call him fucking carlo until then every time i see carlo jan stanton yeah when i see when i see stanton at bat in a situation where there's a man on second and third with one out and i see him fucking strike out because this man doesn't understand the nuance to barreling the ball to where you feel comfortable of getting it in play because he'd rather just hit a fucking home run it really pisses me off because I think back to when I grew up watching guys like Derek Jeter, who, again, hate him all you want for his fielding, but the guy could fucking hit. And he did it in a way that was nuanced. Yeah. He would hit it to the opposite field. He would get runners over. It doesn't matter if you get a fucking run on the board every at-bat. It's all about progressing runners over and getting them home. Like At this point, I feel like I actually am promoting Moneyball, and I, I'm really not. This is really just fundamentals. This is basic fucking knowledge that is ingrained in your head from the time you're six years old, your first time playing baseball. Like This shouldn't be revolutionary to what we call professional baseball players, but it, sometimes it feels like it is. Well, well, the thing I think that these guys are acutely aware of nowadays is that rolling a ground ball to second base doesn't get you paid. No, I mean, you're right. You're right. I mean, it, it's... Like, here's the thing. We, if 
what are you more likely to give a, give a, uh, a $200 million contract to? A guy like Craig Biggio, who's going to get on base and not really put the ball out of the yard, but he's going to be consistently be on base? Or a guy that might give you 40 bombs, like a Giancarlo Stanton? I mean, obviously you're going to give it to Stanton because of the 40 bombs, because that's just the way the game is now. But I... I would argue exactly and I, th- I think these guys are acutely aware of that so it, the guys are now acutely aware of the fact of what gets the paid and the fact of the matter is there's no besides winning games and i'm not gonna lie i don't think these guys are motivated by winning games nowadays i think they're motivated by the by the contract yeah i think you're right uh like i it was, it's funny like I, we're talking about this as you know because they're they're Turn it, I feel like the MLB is almost turning into the NBA, where they only give a fuck about their next their next contract, um, and they just want to play. You know, yeah, you know what I mean. Like it, the NBA has lost so much of its luster, and I just hope the MLB doesn't go down that path because the the problem that I have with all of this is you're right. We're we're not gonna get those. I mean dynasties are, are still going to exist in some way, shape or form, but we're not going to get into this mode where, you know, players want to stay with the same team because they have a better chance of getting a ring. Like if that was the case, mm-hmm. some of these free agency moves that we've seen in the past five years probably don't happen. And it's funny. You mentioned yeah, like the money absolutely. where the money is like DJ LeMayhew comes to mind as someone who's probably I would argue, and again, this is a homer take, but I don't think it's the wrong take. I would argue he's probably the most complete hitter in baseball. Um, I don't think you're he, wrong about that. I don't think that's a homer take. I think it, I think it's an accurate take. And here's here's a, again, you can you know say the sour grapes, but I think DJ LeMay he was you're just just on the field production more valuable than Francisco Lindor. No, I, I think, again, that's not sour grapes. It's just true. Like, you get a better at-bat with DJ LeMay. You get good enough defense to get by. But he's also not going up there with a, a plan in mind to just hit a home run. Like, he's going up there with a plan in mind to look for the pitch and look at the situation in front of him and deliver any way he can. I think it gets lost. And, and it's funny because he signed for $90 million over six years or something like that, which is way below market what he should be getting probably and then you Mm -hmm. look at a guy like stanton who locked in on 13 years he signed with the marlins i get that but he locked in on 13 years for 300 plus million um because he hit 52 home runs the year before like that to me doesn't tell the whole story because we're also not looking at the clutch factor and i think that is a real number that you can quantify what do they hit with runners in scoring position how do they do in certain situations and the numbers are there. If you like, I can look it up on Baseball Reference. I can get those numbers for you. But people are infatuated with the home run, and we we're trying to attract this younger generation, the new baseball fan. I like to say, because we're just trying to sell tickets. And at some point, you're losing the people that make the game what it is. Because I'm going to be honest. If in five to ten years. We've got to a point where it's just offense over everything, just home runs. Then I might stop watching because it's just not worth it. You're losing the methodical approach to a sport that I think was so great to sacrifice it for a couple home runs. I can see where you're at with that take. I don't think I'll ever reach a point where I stop 
being a baseball fan, but I think I, I, I understand that, like, I understand exactly where you're coming from. I don't think it's that uncommon of a take. The problem is that the median age of a baseball fan right now is 55. No, and I know. And everything, every other sport is is getting rapidly, rapidly younger, whereas baseball is getting rapidly, rapidly older. Which So so you need something to, to again, to your point, get the new fan. And unfortunately, if, if, it's, if it's offense or the game dies, I think I'll take offense. Yeah, I mean the offense like the struggle with it is like this isn't basketball or football where offense should be the highlight of everything because there there's two sides of the coin and they're evenly spread. You have pitching and hitting. And I think if you degrade one side of that to the point where it's almost useless just to augment what's what's always been there. Like let's be honest, there's been great hitters throughout history, and there's been a lot of them. Like, do we really want to make Jacob DeGrom less marketable just so we can see Stanton hit more home runs? I don't think I want to get to that point, and I feel like we're heading in that direction, unfortunately. My question is, what do you want the sport to be? And I think it's, that's the, it's the question baseball has to answer. Because let's just hypothetically say that hockey, hockey is, is a great sport, but it doesn't have a ton of offense. No. So, if do you want like because right now we're like like if tomorrow hockey came out and said instead of four by six we're gonna make the goal eight by eight. Like I feel it like that's just, stupid. Yeah, it, but but if that's the intent to cre- in, increase offense, then th- you're gonna chase away a lot of hockey fans. No, I know. And I'm... for me, for me, you don't ask you don't ask hockey players make the goal bigger. You say play offense better and beat this goalie. Yeah. Well, that's the struggle we're in right now, right? Because I think the, the other problem with that is that hockey has never been on par with, you know, baseball, football, and basketball. Like, they've yeah, always, but they've always the been the fourth. I, I would almost be more willing, since, since Jed Hoyer wants to compare this to the lowering of the mound, I'd almost be more willing to lower the mound again than to move it back. I don't even think you have to do anything. That's the thing. Like that, I, but I'm saying if, if baseball sees that you have to do something because they have this egregious no offense problem, we have some know. of the cool, we have some of the best pitchers of MLB history throwing right now. I know. And, because, and, because, because training and science have, have, have evolved so we can get some of the best throwers of the baseball right now. So, I don't think you need to make it. Yeah, this this bothers me. This really bothers me. It does. When you think of it, like when you apply that analogy to it, it really does irk me because why would I degrade or lessen the impact fifty percent of the game has to satisfy you know the the a new generation that is more obsessed with fucking TikTok dances than learning a fucking sport. Like, let's be honest here. The reason we like baseball is because it's it's not... And you ask, like, what is baseball to you? Baseball to me is a chess game. Like, there are so many intricacies to this sport that mm-hmm. make it so it's a, great. It's a thinking man's game, too. It is. So if, if, if you just sit back to a point where 
I can sit there drooling in front of the TV and go home run hit home run home run that's gonna get boring and, and that is gonna drive me away from the sport more than if you get rid of the chess game in baseball it's going to irritate the shit out of me yeah and that's the whole thing and they've they've been slowly doing it for the last few years ever since Manfred took over they've been doing it but like some of the notable you know changes they've made with the ones you know enviable specialist pitcher right like you could have a lefty coming like Andrew Miller made his bucks being a specialist coming out of the bullpen throwing gas to lefties Mm -hmm. you've essentially eliminated the next Andrew Miller because now they have to face at least three batters and I understand the argument well they should be able to throw to righties too like yeah I get that but their whole point of being in the game is to basically neutralize one hitter that they have to face in a tight spot like you don't foresee and and that has a big effect and i don't think a lot of people realize how big of an effect that has like just from that now i I will say this i will say this i have enjoyed the three batter minimum a lot more than i thought i would i mean i i guess enjoy isn't the right like for me it's just it exists like we just have to take it now there there yeah you have to take it but like for me like i thought it would be like like, number one, I thought teams would try to manipulate it a lot more. Um, number two, like, I don't know. I, I, I've actually, like, enjoyed, like, now the three batter minimum, going back to what we said about the chess match, is part of the chess match now. Knowing I can that I can't necessarily shut down one hitter, I, like, you know what I mean? Like, I have to strategically plan who I'm going to use because it's not just, I'm not just going matching up to this hitter i have to match up to this stretch in the order and yeah, maybe I, I might be a little more hesitant to use that andrew miller 2016 that absolutely negates lefties because there's two solid righties behind that lefty that i need to negate or maybe i deploy my hitter early so i don't have to you know what i mean no i i understand that's actually a fair argument i didn't even think about it that way i just think it's just like the weird the ways it was implemented was not for that reason like you know what I mean? Oh like, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. They, it was it was to 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 speed the game up, which yeah. seems to be like I don't know. To, going back to your 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 TikTok reference, I, I I refuse to make the beautiful game of baseball into a one minute TikTok. Exactly, and I feel like if you've ever seen the movie Idiocracy with Luke Wilson. We're essentially going. I have not is, seen it. You should watch it because our society is essentially devolving into that where our attention spans have become less and less and less to the point where we've taken America's pastime and, and turned it into like a fucking test tube baby where we're just experimenting as much as we can to see what sticks and what doesn't. And that's honestly, you know, for real baseball fans, that's that's one of the situations that we find ourselves in that is it's kind of heartbreaking when you think about it. Like we're taking really a lot is. of yeah, we're t- we're taking a lot of what we fell in love with with this game out of it. And we're just replacing it with, you know, basically artificial stat boosting rules or changes that will add excitement for a split second. Because the way home runs are hit now, too, they leave the yard quick. So, yeah, it's not even like a gratifying, like, we already have some guys hitting mammoth home runs at mammoth rates. So why? Are we going to just... I just... I don't get it. All right, let's talk about... Before we run out of time, let's talk about the double hook DH. Oh. 
because this somehow might be the dumber of these two rules. This is the dumbest. If they can top this one, I'd be surprised. So the double hook DH, because you and me had to explain it to each other. Like we, we had to tag team scoop, there it is, and figure this thing out together. <laughs> Sprinkles! <laughs> um, so, we, so, so the double hook DH basically says, you are only allowed a DH when the pitcher is, the starting pitcher is in the game. Once you lose the starting pitcher, once you go to the bullpen, you lose the DH. And that, like, hey, Rob Manfred, we want all pitchers to be done hitting. Oh, you want more pitchers to be done. Okay, cool. Got okay. it. Got it. Yeah. More pitchers to hit. No, no, none. Okay. I see that. But how can I interest you in wider bases? No, Rob. Okay, Rob, look at me. I know you're watching. Look at me. Audio medium, but look at me. Just universal DH. Mm-hmm. Not not DH sometimes. Not DH only if it's raining on a Tuesday. All the time. Both leagues. DH. <sighs> this Is it rule- that fucking hard, Seven? No, this this like I said, this rule is the dumbest one that they ever could have thought of. Like this is essentially like the the screenwriter's table greenlighting Jack and Jill. Like the, someone there, <laughs> I, like, I I can't think of a better analogy because someone there proposed this and wholeheartedly thought like this is the right move. Okay, so, enough- so here I, I've talked myself into this. What if? This is the the gateway drug for the National League to have universal DH. What if the National League gets this rule for two years and it's just National League and then they go, you know what? Pitchers hitting kind of sucks. Let's just adopt it all the way. What if this isn't... Because like, I, I think you and me both took this as a potential... American League rule too because we're both fans of American League teams yeah. what if this was the like, I, I like the actual the analogy that I came up with ga- gateway drug for the National League yeah I, like but that's the thing we don't know because it's being tested in the Atlantic League which is the experimental league at this point um, so we don't know what's on the table so this is why I'm so opposed to it because you never know what Manfred and co are actually planning for this I like where your head's at though because the whole point of this was to keep starting pitchers in the game longer so they wouldn't have to pinch hit for them in like the fifth or the sixth i understand Mm -hmm. i understand it from that lens but i also understand it from the lens of what we just had a, a few months ago in 2020 with a universal dh it's a very simple fix um because now what can happen so let, let's say this this rule does get implemented league-wide which again I, I pray to god it doesn't but if it does if this is the route they're going if i'm an american league team like let use the red sox who's one of their best players in their team's history was a dh if david ortiz can only bat for hypothetically one inning if they chase a starting pitcher after one inning then you lose david ortiz for that game like, is not that- only that but any David Ortiz walk-off, and I'm sure there's boatloads of them. 
Yeah. Now, unless Kurt Schilling threw a complete game, it's not there. No. And... Or Josh Beckett or Pedro or take your take your Red Sox non-controversial pitcher of choice. No, but it's you know it, it's true. Like if you're you're essentially tying the success of the pitcher to an ability to hit, you know a high a high priced you know hitter. Um, if my pitch because not every pitcher can la- like there are days and we've seen it so far in this early season where pitchers can't get through the fourth inning, which is even more mind blowing to me that. In this day and age, everyone harps on pitch count, innings limits, all this bullshit. Well, in April, no one's pushing their pitchers past 75 pitches, it seems. So you're essentially telling me that I might get at most five innings of a DH because I don't want to push my pitcher. But on the flip side of that, you're arguing we want to keep our pitchers in the game longer. Well, you really can't have it both ways. Not to mention the the idea, I'm assuming the idea is to like like if, if my guy's getting slaughtered in the third inning he's given up six through three but it's you know the bottom of the third or the top of the third and i got my dh in the seventh spot you know what i mean mm-hmm. now i might have to let my pitcher bake for eight or nine runs allowed instead of going to the bullpen just so I can get that guy in at bat. In at bat. Like, there is a, a take situation into the other, Take into account... No, go ahead. No, go ahead. I bumped my mic. No, but take into account, like, it doesn't matter where the DH hits in the lineup, right? Because this also affects your relief pitchers. Because you can only use a relief pitcher or a pinch hitter off the bench for those spots. So let's say this is just a bloodbath of offense, like an absolute barn burner, and there's 24 combined runs by the third inning. Okay, now I'm out of pinch hitters. So now I have to go into my relief pitchers. Boy, you know what I love about a clutch situation in the ninth inning? Having to watch Kenley Jensen hit. (laughs) Oh, it's just so stupid. It's so stupid because now you're you're fucking up everything with roster construction. Like mm-hmm. now, like teams that want to carry that extra pitcher and have a thirteen man pitching pitching staff, or do I carry two extra hitters now, knowing that I might not like it? it totally fucks with how your roster is built, and mm-hmm. it's just it's so bad. Like there's really no benefit to this rule, and. The I just, only benefit I could see is it being a gateway drug. Yeah, but even then, like, we've seen it even in action. Even then, there's still, so, there's still no benefits. But if, hypothetically, okay, if you can give me Joey Gallo in the National League or guys like Joey Gallo, hypothetically, you know what I mean? A guy that's going to be positionless, a Fran Mil Reyes. For, I, would, I would argue if this rule existed, the Padres would have never traded him to Cleveland. No, I mean that's true, but at the same time, it's like we've. You say the gateway drug. I, I I understand the experimental process behind that. The problem I have, like we saw it, we saw it last year. There was a DH. Oh, I know, I like, know. We know it works. So why are we toying with this? And, and again, I know the CBA is up after this year. I get that. We're probably gonna have a lockout of some sort. But yeah, 
Yeah, we are. Yeah, we'll, we'll talk about that as the season goes on. But like, I get it. But we we have the proof is in the pudding that the universal DH is good for the game. Like, I don't want to go to like I don't like watching National League games for the reason like I don't want to watch fucking pitchers hit. I think it ruins it. Like, I, talk about like a traditionalist and all that you know that we love about the game. I think pitchers hitting is the dumbest thing that's a part of this game. And we've seen that it does work having a DH in both leagues. We saw it in a small sample size of 60 games that it does work. Yeah, it does work. The fans like it. And here's the thing. That directly correlates to more offense. Mm Mm-hmm. So instead of moving the mound back a foot, you can just let an extra hitter hit. It's amazing that. an extra hitter, a designated hitter hit. Well, for the National League, it's an extra hitter. What's that? For the National League, it really is an extra hitter. I mean... Yeah, I just... My, my When I say extra hitter, my my brain goes from a coaching perspective where it's an extra hitter, like a 10th guy in the order. Oh, yeah, no. I mean, I, I get what you're saying. But, yeah, I mean, it's it's such an easy fix. Like, you solve both problems with two of these stupid rule changes by just implementing a fucking DH for the National it's League. It's literally two birds with one stone. Yep. And it's, you know, it doesn't affect the game to the point where we're moving mounds back or we're basically... Because then, hypothetically, what happens to the record books? We want to talk about the integrity of the record books for 162. So you, you can't shorten the season to 156 because what about the record books? What about every pitching record ever that's going to be sh- intact forever? Oh. Uh... If we go, if we move the mound back. How about, like, with both these rules, like, moving the mound back is one thing. The more tangible one that you can look at is this double hook rule. Uh, a 10-game winner is going to be, like, a 30-game winner with that rule. Like, uh, I No, because the, the idea is to to encourage starters to stay in longer. I think I think the opposite is going to happen. I think a 10-game winner, winner is going to be reduced to the uh, equivalent of, like, a 7-game winner. I, just I think, think starters are going conti- to are going to get more and more decisions with more and more... Uh, with them staying in the game longer and longer. Yeah, but on the flip side, though, because, of course, we're, everyone's still worried about pitch counts and innings limits. Um, if they're getting shelled, you really don't have a choice. So, I mean, there's not going to be many wins. There's going to be a lot more losses, I agree. I don't think there's going to be many more wins because you're not well, going to, like... Well, I mean, the flip side, for every for every loser, there's a winner. <laughs> I, 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 this is just so stupid. I, maybe just... We're talking dissolve. ourselves in circles because this is so fucking stupid. But, like, this is us talking about this on one episode of a podcast. And what's really infuriating is that this happened with a bunch of grown people sitting down. Much like Jack and Jill, who the fuck said this was a good idea? Yeah, exactly. Like, honestly, like, this is essentially that. This is basically the writers of Game of Thrones before Season 8 came out. And, like, how do we just speed this to the fucking point of no return? Like, let's just... Put everything on the table and don't cancel anything out until we come to a, an agreement of what will just get it done. And this is essentially, like they're cutting corners. There's no thought process that goes into this. They have an hypothesis. We just disproved that in the course of, where are we at? 45 minutes. Like we just disproved all of that. Uh, so you're, you're welcome. So if you want to hire us MLB as consultants, we'll gladly take the job to bring this game back to where it should be. We got y'all. I promise you. We got y'all. All right. I think that's where we got to hang it up for today. Yeah, we got it. Yeah, we have to. It's 
Oh, God. When, when are we going to have just a week where we can just go through, like, the games that happened and be like, oh, this was cool. This was nice. Cool storyline. Hey, did you see that one highlight of blank? <laughs> yeah. Like, <sighs> no, because it got blacked out by the MLB's dumbass <laughs> fucking video sharing rules. Oh, boy. We're not, we might not have baseball in 2022. Jesus Christ. Oh, think happy thoughts, buddy. Yeah, Tell I'm me trying. about the rabbits, George. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Tell me about the rabbits. All right, we're out. Have a Pull good the one. Trigger. See ya! In every family, there's one person who drives you a little crazy. I gotta pick Jill up at four in the morning. She comes once a year and she's leaving on Sunday. But during the holidays... Jack, no fighting this year. There's no escaping it when it's your sister. How we doing? Your twin sister. Are you going bald? Huh? No, 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 you're getting fatter, and your hair doesn't realize it needs to cover more face. Okay. Jack and Jill. Do you and Daddy have twin powers? Some twins can feel when the other one's hurt. I didn't feel it. A little harder. No, Jill, stop it. He's kidding. What? Oh! Feel that, Daddy? I actually did feel something there. Pride in my son. 